This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hey, man, do, 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 do you remember, or have you read in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said, we go to our prayer closet? At our prayer closet, we pray to our Father in secret. At our Father that sees the secret, rewards us openly. Well, as, as a pastor, whenever I close my eyes up here praying like that, I'm not with you anymore. I stepped into my prayer closet. I'm with the Father. And I, I, and I, what, I, what I'm praying, you're hearing because you're here, but I stepped from this realm into that realm. And that's how it is with you wherever you're at, on your job, with your family. You close your eyes, but you talk to your Father in secret. He's hearing you. And somebody else around, they might hear too, but the main thing is, you're not praying for their benefit. You're praying for yours with them. And my, my heart's desire as a man of God is to help people. I want to help the people that God puts under my charge as a pastor. And now we've got a lot of people watched on the internet, and I want to help them. And the main thing is, I, number one, have got to maintain my relationship with him, first of all, before I ever come out here. And so it's so easy to step out here because I've already been with him before I got here. And so when I get here, I get to talk to him. I'm just reaffirming what I've already prayed. We want to help you. I want to help people. And I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore that will help you. This is Prayers That Avail Much for New Believers. Prayers That Avail Much for New Believers. And I know in our church, we have a lot of people that uh, are new to the Lord. And maybe some people that have been around a while but don't really know a lot. But this shows you things to pray from the Bible for your family, for your own life, and for different things in life there. And we have a, we have a lot of books back there by this author, Jeremy Copeland, about prayers that avail much for different types of people, for marriages, finances, all kinds of things. But I highly recommend these. And the, these are in line with our corporate vision for the church. And the vision for our church is to equip, equip God's families for victorious Christian living. Equip God's family. If we want to equip you and help you know what to do in every area of life. The Bible has all the answers, but we need help to understand the Bible a lot of times. So these books are not just to have a nice little Christian bookstore, but these books, is a, it, it's, it's actually like an armory. There's weapons in there. We're not talking about bullets and guns and knives. We're talking about the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is our, is, our, is our main weapon of defense against the enemy. And uh, we have books to help you. And here's another one. It's, it's, a, it's a prayer study course by Brother Hagin. A simple little book. We've got a lot of prayer books back there teaching. But Christians need to know how to pray effectively. You know, uh, I heard Brother Hagin say many times when I used to sit under him, he said, if you're not praying the Word, you might as well be saying, twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, so that you get just as much results. Because the Bible teaches when you're praying the Word, you're praying the answer. Yes, we want to help you to know how to pray the Word of God. So these books are back there to help you, and that's what we want to do. You know, I was thinking, as we were worshiping, that this week I've heard a few testimonies from different people that come to church here. That what's sitting under the Word in this anointed atmosphere is done for the life about some really, really powerful victories. I was talking to a man, uh, must have been Wednesday night told me he's always heard us talk about releasing the anointing of God into our families if sickness tries to come at them. He said, I heard you guys talk a lot of times about praying for your children when they were young, how they got healed. He said, well, my son had an earache and said, first thing I was thinking, oh, better get the emergency room. They got to think, wait a minute. Pastor said, before you do that, always pray first and then do that second. So he said, I laid hands on my son like Jesus said to do and the earache left. He said, man, that sure beats sitting in the emergency room all night. I thought, yep, it sure does. That's equipped for a victorious Christian living. And then uh, had had another lady at the women's meeting. Talked about been in church for a long time, et cetera, et cetera. But talked about getting out of this atmosphere of love, the Word of God, and things happening. How that's really, really uh, anointed their spiritual life. And how that family had been so blessed by that. And then I was thinking about another one. Had another believer, about 40 years old. Uh, went to a family function recently out of state, had to be there for a while, and this person was a former alcoholic. Been here for a while, been dry, been clean, been living sober, living good, and had to be around these people for several days, and a lot of drinking going on. And this person said, 
I was so tempted. I was so tempted to reach out there and get that again. But she said, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm free and I'm staying free and I'm not doing it. And they stayed free because of the Word of God. The victory is in the Word. And so as we teach the Word of God, it shows you how to walk in victory over Satan's strategies. Uh, Paul said in Corinthians, he said, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, his strategies. You know, in the spiritual realm, I think too many times Christians forget that there's more than one family. Too many times Christians just think, well, all there is is God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But also the Bible is very plain. Satan walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And when he knocks on your door with whatever the temptation is to see if he can get you, if you don't answer with the word, if you don't answer with the name of Jesus, then he's going to get you. That's not preaching fear, that's preaching faith. You can't stick your head in the sand and think the devil's going to go away. When the attacks are on, you can't go to bed, pull the sheet up over your head, and think, I'll stay in bed till this goes away. It's not going to go away. You pull your head out, it's still going to be there. You have to deal with it. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil. It says, you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And so we're the ones that have to know what to do. And so today we're going to be talking about the scriptural way to resist the temptation to sin. The scriptural way. The scriptural way to resist the temptation to sin. I'm going to start off in Luke chapter 4. And so I'll give you a chance to turn there. We're going to look at verse 13. Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 13. But I want, I want to say something that the Lord told me years ago. And I've always remembered this. You might listen to this, not going to be on the screen. But you might want to write this down. Sin is a blessing blocker. Sin is a blessing blocker. Sin will block the blessings of God from getting to your house. Sin will. And I want to give you a scripture. I'm not going to look at it, but you can write this one down. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. And it says, where sin does abound, grace much more abounds. Grace much more abounds. Where sin abounds, and how many know there's abundance of sin all around us? Well, the Bible says that there's more grace than there is sin. And so we as believers have to know how to live with the grace of God in our lives doing what it's designed to do. God's grace in our lives will give us everything we need to say no to the devil and sin. We have to say no. I'm going to look at some verses today that's really going to help us. And, you know, I'm thinking about, as we were worshiping, I was thinking about some things. I've heard a lot of politicians say the last few years, we want a level playing field. What a level playing field. Well, in their eyes, that's not breaking people up. That's breaking us down. To some of the lower, lower, lower uh, countries in the world, I guess you say, third world nations, bring us down to how other people live, not bring us up. Well, God doesn't want a level playing field. He says he gives us abundance of grace. We're way above the devil. He's under our feet. God doesn't want this to be a fair fight for the devil. That's why Jesus defeated him. And so we as Christians, if we just live after our emotions and our senses and the flesh, we think that we're no match for the devil and for sin. But God says, no, you got more grace than there is sin, far more. And God, there's so many verses, I, I, I can't even go down that road right now. There's so many verses that tell us that Satan's under our feet. He's defeated, but he also tells us over and over and over again, you've got your part to play. You've got to use your faith. You've got to use your mouth. You've got to use your Bible. You've got to do things to enforce his defeat. And I was thinking, in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father expecting or waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. And that's quote, he's quoting from the Psalms 
when that uh, statement's made in Hebrews. And what that means is this. Jesus is the head. He's in heaven. We're the body. We're on earth. And it already says that Satan's under his feet. But we're the body, and we are to demonstrate Satan's defeat. And so we as Christians are to demonstrate the world around us it's possible to live above sin. It's possible to be delivered from addictions. It's possible to be delivered from all these horrible things that still and kill and destroy it around us. But we've got to do it God's way. And that's what he says. Jesus already defeated Satan. But we're to demonstrate that defeat. And like that person the other day that was around the family, tempted to get back into all the alcohol with them, one of, one of the relatives, as this person would get ready to come back to California, said, I'm so proud of you. Said, you've got away from this. Said, you're not like us anymore. You've changed. Well, this person now is a very vocal Christian. And so the people knew. As this person testified, that that's because of Jesus Christ being Lord of their life. They're free from that. And that's how it works. Would we successfully say no to the devil and sin and yes to Jesus? There's people going to take notice. And they're going to know they couldn't do that on their own. It's like the turtle on the fence post. How many know that turtles don't climb? And so if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know somebody put it there. Human beings cannot get delivered and stay free from those serious addictions. When you see a human being that really gets delivered and stays free, it's because somebody did it. And his name's Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to talk tonight about the scriptural way to resist the temptation to sin. And so remember this, sin is a blessing blocker. And so in, in Luke chapter 4, the first 12 verses is when Jesus went through, the, went through those temptations after that 40-day fast and was tempted of the devil. And every time the devil tempted him, Jesus said, it is written, and he quoted verses from the Old Testament because that's all we have is the Old Testament. And so he resisted the devil with the word of God. And then we get down to verse 13, and this is what I want you to see. The Lord began to speak to me several days to preach this this morning. And so I know there's people watching, and those people here, you need this. This will equip you to be free from those things that continually knocked on your door and sucked you under and pulled you down so many times. How many want to be free from the stupid stuff that keeps on coming around and getting you? Amen. And so verse 13, it says, Now look at this, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. I like the Amplified Bible. Listen to this. This is speaking to you. This is speaking to me. And when the devil had ended every, the complete cycle of temptation, he temporarily left. He left him. That is, he stood off from him until another more opportune and favorable time. Have you ever wondered how come when somebody testifies they're free from alcohol, they're free from pornography, they're free from uh, whatever drug addiction, whatever it is they've been freed from, and then somewhere down the road, they're right back where they started again. Here they go again. And then they get freed again. Down the road. There they go again. Back and forth, back and forth. We're not ignorant of Satan's devices, his schemes. You know, I think about, has anybody ever heard the expression some denominations use, once saved, always saved? Well, how many know that's not true? It's once saved, always saved, if you choose to live saved. When you choose you're going to stay saved, then it's once saved, always saved, because you make the choice. I'm going to do the things I did to get saved. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to keep living the Christian life. I'm going to do the best I can to live like Jesus wants me to live. And I'm going to quit hanging around with the old crowds. I'm going to quit doing the old things because I know those things are wrong. So they stay saved. Well, see, it's not once delivered, always delivered. 
It's what's delivered. You'll stay delivered if what you keep doing that you did to get delivered. You got to keep doing what you did. You know, it's just like your job. When you got hard at the job, you signed a contract, whatever you did, they said, we'll give you a paycheck if you clock in. You clock in, do the work, you get a paycheck. Well, you quit clocking in, you quit working, and the paychecks don't shut up, show up. You say, what happened? They're not blessing me anymore. And they say, well, you're not doing what you started doing. You used to come to work. And you used to work. <laughs> and when you worked, it was once a paycheck, always a paycheck. You quit working, so no paycheck. No work, no pay. And so the same thing with serving God. Serve God, receive the blessings. Quit serving God, you're back where you used to be. Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so it says that that Satan into the temptation for a season, wait for an opportune time. And I want to give you a definition I heard years ago about temptation. And I really like this. Temptation is a solicitation to do evil. A solicitation to do evil. Did anybody ever watch, well, boy, I have to go back to these old times now, but uh, anybody ever watch Get Smart? And some people don't know what Get Smart is, but Maxwell Smart, when he was dealing with the enemy, he would say, well, would you believe? And he'd try to get, tell them a big lie. And then he'd back all the, well, then would you believe this? Well, would you believe? I remember one time I was watching one of those a few years ago, and the enemy was called chaos. And they were, some of the agents, they were like communists, some of the agents were coming after him. He said, would you believe the seventh fleet is in the harbor, and they're here? And they said, no, we wouldn't believe that. Well, would you believe? Got a big fishing boat, some guys got guns. No. Well, would you believe there's a boy scout in a rowboat? That's what the devil does. He puts this stuff on you, trying to get you to believe the lies. And when you read Luke chapter 4, the devil continually said to Jesus, If you're the Son of God. Well, God just got through spoke from heaven in that passage. said, This is my beloved Son. Heaven blared it. This is my Son. And so the devil said, Do you really believe you're the Son of God? And so Jesus said, It is written... And he just over and over tried to say, would you believe? That's the solicitation to do evil. You can take just one drink. It's your family. you got to be sociable. One drink. What are they going to think about you? Well, I don't know about you. Before I got born again, my family was serious drinkers. I was too. Uh, me, I cannot tell you how many times back in those days I started off with one beer. And then the next day woke up in the middle of nowhere stupid. Because it wasn't one beer. Or whatever it is in life. You know, I think about the dirty magazines. Would you believe? You can look at just one picture. And she's even got all of her clothes on. Just one picture. Next thing you know, the door's open, guys. It wasn't one picture. I've tried to help too many people got stuck in that trap. It doesn't work that way. you got to stop right at the start before the thing gets a hold on your life. And so... The name of Jesus, the Word of God, is more than enough. But we as human beings have something that the devil doesn't have. We've got the power of choice. We can choose to say no to sin and unrighteousness and say yes to Jesus and the Word of God live in His way. Amen. And so sin, temptation, is solicitation to do evil he tries to sell you something. I know that when I was a kid, I started working when I was eight years old. But back in the back in those days. But anyway, been working ever since I was eight. But I remember that when I was about nine or ten, I had I had a couple of different uncles that we went up and down the streets. Back then, they had a lot of vegetable stuff. I had a truck, watermelon, muskmelon, sweet corn, red ripe tomatoes. Go up and down the streets like that, and we'd knock on the people's doors to sell the stuff for my uncle. And a lot of those doors had signs, no solicitation. They said, you're not welcome here. Don't try to sell us anything. We need to have that sign in front of us with our shield of faith. No solicitation, devil. I'm not going to buy anything off you, devil. I'm not going to do it. 
Amen. No solicitation. And so solicitation to do evil. And so in this passage, Jesus successfully resisted the devil because he quoted Bible verses and told him no. And so the devil only blacked off for, backed off for a while, just like in our lives. And so I want to give you another verse to write down. This isn't in your notes here, but another verse to write down. Write down Second Peter chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. Second Peter chapter 2, 19 to 22. And Peter, by the Holy Spirit, talks about people that were in bondage to sin, addictions, whatever it was, says if they don't keep resisting, said their lives get up far worse than it was before they got delivered the first time. It says that who you're in bondage to, that bondage rules your life. Addictions are terrible. Sin is terrible. You don't want to be caught in that trap. So write those verses down, they'll help you. And so the devil is always trying to get you to fall for the same tricks over and over again. Anything can get you to fall back on that had you, he wants to get you again. And so today, I want to look at some scriptural things. Some ways to resist the temptation to sin. And I want you to look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. And, you know, as I'm looking at this, Matthew chapter 4 is the same story as Luke chapter 4, except it's from Matthew's words. But verse 3 is so key, so critical to help you be a person that has a great, great batting average for saying no to fall in those same traps again. And verse 3 says this, And when the tempter came, when the tempter came, you have to be firmly established in your spiritual understanding that the devil is the tempter, not God. And we're going to look at another verse in just a minute. It's going to help you understand that. How can you, how can you resist temptation if you think God's the one tempting you? It's just like sickness. Because a lot of people have been taught wrong about what the Bible says. They have a hard time receiving sick, healing from sickness because they think God's the one that gave it to them. You know, how could you resist God? If God's the one making you deathly sick, how can you resist that if you think it's from God? There's never been a sickness ever that's a blessing. All sickness does is hurt people, kill people, uh, causes families to go broke or bankrupt and just all kinds of horrible things. Sickness is not from God. And so it's really, really tough to pray for healing. You're saying, God, if this is your will, then I want to get out of your will. Heal me so I can get out of your will. It doesn't work that way. Sickness is not the will of God. And temptation from the devil is not the will of God. And so for you to be a person that successfully resists these things, you have to know that solicitation to sin does not come from God. It comes from the devil. John 10.10 also calls him the thief. Says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. You know, if you if you get addicted to drugs, is that still to kill and destroy it, or is that a blessing? How about pornography? If that's ruining your marriage, is that still and kill and destroy it? Or is that a blessing? You have to understand these temptations do these wrong things. Alcohol. I've never seen alcohol do good for anybody. I come from a family of alcoholics. I come from a family of bona fide real bootleggers. You know, I'm a little bit different generation, a lot of you. But I remember when it was illegal to sell booze on Sunday. I remember the liquor stores in Indiana had to close at 9 o'clock at night. They looked at it a little different back in those days. I remember, I remember my family comes from the south. I remember in a county in Alabama, we'd go down every once in a while visit my great uncle, my grandpa's brother, and they lived in a dry county called a dry county. They couldn't sell booze in that county. And my great uncle had the biggest bootleg operation there was in that county. Go down there, man, they were the bootleggers, bootleggers. They were the real guys. But it was different back then because back then America had a little bit of morality more than what they have right now. And they knew that alcohol was bad. 
And so there's no good in alcohol, so God is not going to tempt a person to drink beer. Somebody said, well, just one. I got born again at 28 and a half years old, and I fell for the just one so many times I can't even tell you. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I never got in any serious trouble over that drinking and driving stuff. They kind of gave you a break back then, but I'm so grateful I made it through those times. But I know a lot of people that got to go to the next, to the, <laughs> to the next realm through drinking and driving. There's no good in it. And so the devil's the tempter for all those things. Look at James chapter 1, verse 13. As Mrs. Pastor said a while ago, and I, I quoted about every service, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so I'm giving you verses right now to equip you for victorious Christian living. I'm giving you verses to give you faith to say no to the devil, no to temptation, and yes to Jesus, so you'll have the faith to say no. I want to say that again. I've given you these verses, and Jesus said, He that has an ear to hear, let him hear. And if you right now are seriously messed up in life, if you're one of these people that's been tempted and tempted and tempted, and you go back to it, and you go back to it, and you go back to it, and in your heart you're crying out to God, you're crying out, Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord, I need help. You know, I hate this. I hate this, Jesus. I'm tired of falling for this. Help me, Jesus. Guess what? I'm your answer today. I've given you the answer. Your prayer reached heaven. Heaven touched my heart, and I'm teaching you what I've learned. And because of that, if you'll do what I do, you'll get what I got. Oh, you mean you're a perfect man? I'm not perfect at all. I'm a human being. I've been in the middle of the spiritual warfare too, but I've learned how to use my weapons. I've learned how to use my weapons effectively. My number one weapon, I hear the Word of God. I speak the Word of God. I do my best to obey the Word of God, and then I get the results of the Word of God. He's a rewarder of them who deals you seek Him. What's the reward you need? Well, you need delivered from whatever it is that's got a stronghold on your life. And, you know, I think about the uh, Miss, Mrs. Goody Good Shoes. Uh, what do they call it? Good, goody Two Shoes or something, whatever that is. I think about that. Do you know that your, that your gossip mouth is an addiction to? Do you know your judgmental, critical attitude about everybody else not being as good as you? Not as holy as you? That's a sin. Bible talks about gossiping women, how dangerous they are. And so, you know, you may think, well, I've never looked at any nasty pictures. I've never even smoked a cigarette. Why, well, I've barely used a cuss word. Well, I don't know who else needs this, but I'm, I'm, I'm the only one in here that doesn't need this. Well, guess what? You probably need it more than anybody. You need delivered. <laughs> what, what do they call you? Sister Bucket Mouth. <laughs> All right. James chapter 1, verse 13. Now listen to this. This, this, is, this is so plain. Matthew called the devil the tempter, and God said, Let no man say. I circled, let no man say. Why is that? Because I believe my Bible to be the truth. If God tells me to say something, like in Mark 11, he says, Speak to the mountain, say to it. You speak to the mountain. But then he says, Now here's something, Pastor Samples, don't you ever say. So I circled that. And, you know, if you're serious about the word God like I am, you circle yours too. Because if God says don't say something, you don't want to say it. Amen? That's called obedience. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. God's the one that said, don't ever say he's tempted you to drink. He's tempted you to do sexual wrongdoing. He's tempting you to lie. He's tempting you to steal. God's not the tempter. God's not the one trying to get you to do wrong things. And so I, I really don't care how many religious preachers tell you God's tempted you. God's not. Because the Bible is God talking. Amen. You know, a lot of times God will prove you. There will be opportunities to come to you in life to make choices on different things, things like that. But that, 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 that's helping you to come up to a situation where you make the choice. Which way am I going to go? But he's not tempting you to do evil. And when you read those accounts of Jesus in Matthew and Luke, it says the spirit 
led Jesus out here, and he was tempted of the devil. And so sometimes we get in places to make choices, but God doesn't put temptation in front of you to do wrong, try to get you. How can I say that? Because God said, let no man say. said, God's not tempted with evil. He's, got to, he's not going to tempt any man to do evil either. And so we have to understand God will never put that temptation of sin in front of you because Adam opened the door for Satan and sin, and it's all around us anyway. How many here know that all you have to do is walk out that door, go anywhere you want to around you as there's a temptation to do wrong? You know, I think about, I, I was thinking this morning about how this world's changed. When I was growing up, they didn't have this pornography stuff. My dad had the magazines I had back then under his bed. And of course, being boys, we'd over dad stash his books as we'd all slip in there and look at his magazines. But the girls even had clothes on those books. Now all you have to do is watch a news channel, a TV show, and they got women dressed more naked on anything going on today than they even had in the so-called dirty magazines back then. That's how much has changed. The temptation is out there every day, every day, every day. And you know, you watch, you watch, you watch, you watch the, you watch, you watch the, the sports, the sports programs. Man, all you got, I, I don't know what kind of beer, I don't watch sports much. But what you got? Miller beer, Pass Blue Ribbon, Bud Light, and all the different things out there. You talk about a temptation to deliver an alcoholic's life to get out there, and you can't even watch a simple show without somebody to stick beer in your mouth. God's not doing that. It's out there. But we're the ones that have the ability within our hearts and in our mouths to say no. And I know, I know for myself, when they come out these DVRs, we've had a DVR for years. I don't even see commercials. I don't hardly know what they are because we record everything. And all we have to do every time commercial comes, just fast forward. Commercial's over. We see the next thing. So we don't even know what they're doing. But I know this. It really shocks me the times I've had to watch live TV and I'll see a very, very, very exposed girl doing stuff like that. I thought, man, what's this about? Then all of a sudden, the very last scene's a car. Let's try to sell a car, but you had to watch a naked girl for 10 minutes. That stuff's all around us. This came in in the Garden of Eden. When Adam opened the door to Satan, he opened the door to sin, and those temptations are out there. Why what, 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 is that sexual sense so prevalent? Well, the Bible, there's two institutions that God really has his blessings are. Number one is the family, and number two is the church. And so Satan wants to destroy the family, especially the Christian family. And through sexual perversion and sin is one way to destroy a marriage. That's why that stuff's out there so prevalent like that. And then, of course, the church, all you have to do is watch any modern show, and they, and they mock preachers, they mock Christians, make fun of everything that's right, because we are Satan's target. But we are far greater through Christ than what he is. He's no match. He's no match for the Jesus Christ in us. Amen. The Jesus Christ in us, the Jesus Christ in us already defeated him. And we're to demonstrate his defeat. And every time, every time that you pass that temptation test again, you've demonstrated again that greater is in you than he is in the world. And your friends, your family, and people see you then Peter said this way, said, you live your life for Christ, so people ask, ask you, what's the reason of the hope that's in you, Jenny? What's the reason? And they already know her. They work with her. They, they already know the reason Jenny's like she is because of Christ in her. And I know she's very bold to let the world know. And that's the same thing with Mike out the Marine Base. People look at Mike and say, Mike, before you met that, that beautiful woman you married, you didn't used to be this way. And I don't know what Mike would say. It's because she's the one that led me to the prayer of salvation to meet Jesus. And so she and I are alike because we both have Jesus in our hearts. That's why we're not what we used to be. It's because of Jesus. And that's what this is all about. That sin's out there everywhere. But God's not the one doing it. Sin is from the devil. God's not the one doing it. And so anyway, every time, every time, you say no to the wrongdoing. It's like what I've always said this way. I, I think now that schools are different, uh, unless they're Christian schools, basically they promote you for anything. You get promoted whether you pass or not just because they want to have a level playing field, want everybody stupid. But uh, when I was in school, when I was in school, 
they actually flunked kids. They held them back a year if they didn't pass. And so you had to study and do your work. And then when you got passing grades, you got promoted to the fourth grade. You got promoted to the fifth grade. Every time a Christian resists that temptation that had him before, he gets promoted again. You go up a level in Christ. You grew. You're more mature now because the devil came back more opportune time. And this time you said, no devil, not this time. No solicitation. I'm not. You got me before and I'm not going down there again. Amen. And then what happened? You got promoted. And then what happened? You get promoted. You can help the underclassmen. Then somebody else crosses your path. And they say, wow, I've watched you. And man, you're not doing that anymore. We're all still doing it. What happened? How come, how, how come, how come you're not doing this anymore? What happened? Well, guess what? You got promoted. You're an upperclassman now. And now you get to tell them. Well, I'll tell you what. I found out number one who the enemy was. The enemy was the devil. And the enemy was me. The Bible says don't give place to the devil. And every time he knocked, I let him in. But this time I said no devil in the name of Jesus. Not this time. I'm saying no. I'm not going for it anymore. Jesus set me free. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. I am free from that. And I'm not going back there anymore. You grew. Isn't it fun to grow in Christ? Isn't it fun? Instead of being the one... Call in the prayer line. You give out your numbers that I am the prayer line. And you know, I know there's several people in the church here. I hear all the time, people call you wanting prayer. They'll call you. They'll say, hey, Maxine, will you pray for me? And you know, I just think about so many of you in here. They'll say, hey, Susan, uh, we need prayer. Will you pray for us? They, they, I, I just look at all of you out of the different faces here. And I see your levels of maturity, that you're not the ones still called the prayer line all the time, but you're the ones that say, hey man, call me, I'm ready, I'll pray. Amen. Now look at, look at these next couple of verses here, verse 14 and 15. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There's things that your flesh craves. Your flesh might still crave nicotine or alcohol or pornography or whatever it is. And you've got to say, you've got to, you've got to talk to yourself. You've got to say, no, in the name of Jesus, we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing that. There come a point in time where Jesus will look big enough in you, you're going to forget that used to be a part of your life. You're going to walk free. It says, draw away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it breaks forth sin. The baby out of those lustful passions of those different things in life is sin. And sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. There's a law of progression there. You open the door. You ever heard the saying, give the devil an inch to take a mile? You open the door and it keeps on working till it can bring the death of a marriage. It can bring the death of a job. Whatever it is you're getting into that's caused you to head the wrong direction, it'll kill something in your life. And so... I heard Dr. Barclay quote this a lot of times, and I got it on the screen there. And I want to say this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. How many have ever found that out in your own lives? Nobody's going to raise their hand. I found it out before. Amen. This is such a righteous, holy group. I preach to the rock. This must be for all the people on the Internet. No, listen to what I'm saying. How many have ever seen you open the door on something, it's going to cost you more than you want to pay for that? That old, that little bit of what you thought was going to be a, a just a little fun time, it sure cost you. Kept you longer than you wanted to stay. Amen. Took you farther than you wanted to go. We have to recognize that we can say no to those things, and as we keep on looking at the Word of God, I'm going to show you how we say no to those things. But we gotta know how real this is. And let, let me tell you another, another tactic of the enemy. How many like to know Satan's schemes, his devices? There's a, there's a, you know, you can't compare the devil at, 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 at his goals to Jesus at his goals. Satan number one is the tempter. He's the one that will tempt you to just take one drink, 
tempt you to tell one lie. How many ever noticed that people that lie, they always try to remember what the last lie was, so they make sure they still sell, tell the same lie. And, you know, if modern things with, with all these big mouth people on Twitter and Facebook and everything like that, now they go back and they find their lies. Even politicians, they go back and they play their speeches. Like, wow, we caught them. Well, in the spiritual realm, it's always been that way anyway. Those words are always out there. And so, and so you, you, you open the doors a little bit and you, you head that direction then those things will come crashing down on you sooner or later. And so we have to know that Satan tempts you, tempts you to do wrong. And then it's just like a hammer, it's whack, whack. Then the next thing is, once you've done it, then he condemns you. He tries to get you to do it. Then when you do it, you feel guilty, guilty, guilty. And then he says this to you. You're coming to church, and then he says to you, look at all those perfect people. You're the only one here that doesn't live righteous. You're the only one coming in here, you hypocrite. You're the only one. All these other people are perfect. All these other people pay tithes to God. All these other people know how to get healed. All these other people have perfect families and perfect kids. All these other people, when the pastor talk about jobs, all these other people clock in early and they stay late. They do their job all the way. Well, you're the only heathen here. He's the condemner. He's the accuser of the brethren. And so he, he tempts you to do wrong and then he beats you over the head for doing it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you. Now, on the other side, the Holy Spirit convicts you, not condemns you. When the Word of God's been taught, it doesn't put guilt on you. When the Word of God's really been taught the way God intends, conviction shows you what's right, what's wrong, and then it shows you, if you've done the wrong, how to get out. Condemnation helps you dig the hole and bury you. Conviction Shows you how to come out of the hole and live right. Amen. I want to say it again. You know, some people I've heard, I've heard, I've heard this saying before. Oh, I don't like to go to church because I always feel so convicted. Yay, that's a good church. That's the church you want to go to where you feel convicted. Cause conviction will show you. Here's how to quit being stupid. Conviction will show you. Here's how to quit doing that. Conviction will show you. There's an answer I've been looking at. Oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I come to that church in November of 2021. I finally saw the answer how to stay free from that stupid stuff. I saw what to do. I saw how come I fell for it over and over. I've been a Christian all my life. And I keep doing it over and over and over and over again. Today's the day I saw. Here's the answer. Here's what I do. I don't have to go down that road anymore. Amen. Amen. And so anyway... He says right here that, 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 when you give in to that temptation to sin, it's eventually going to kill you. You know, and I, I like to say it this way, uh, this means different things, not just physical death. That means the death of your marriage. Man, you start messing around, looking at the wrong things, playing the wrong things, the internet guys, your marriage is going to get killed. You start hanging around with the wrong people, you start hanging around with the wrong people, had your relationships with good people going to get killed? You know, it's just the whole thing is, anything you know to do that's wrong, and you stay on that road, eventually it's going to cost you more than you want to pay. And now, I'm going to look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And, you know, I, I got a note written down here from a long time ago that I just want to add while we're going to Hebrews chapter 4. But uh, there's a difference between preaching and teaching. To preach means to proclaim. To teach means to explain. Preaching gives you hope. And teaching shows you how to turn your hope into reality. I want to say that again. Preachers can preach and get you stirred about it's possible possible to be delivered. It's possible to be set free 
But then teaching shows you how to do that, shows you how to actually be free. I mean, you know, you get a, you get a good spitting preacher, gets up here shouting and doing, got the handkerchiefs out, wiping the sweat and preaching and spitting and throwing things out there, man. Everybody gets excited. But if they don't do some teaching to show you how to turn that hope into reality, when you leave, you're right back out there and you're right back down where you were because they didn't show you what to do to be free. You know, I remember when I first got born again, I went to a Pentecostal church and man, it was a rocking church. It was, it was half black, half white. We had an organ. We had a really hopping piano and a lot of shouters, jumpers like that. Man, they could preach, they could shout, they could spit. Boy, I tell you what, if you've never seen a black person play an organ, I'm not being racist. It's just the way it is. You ever saw them play a rocket organ, man? Man, they, man, they could have people swinging off the rafters. That was like that. But they preached a whole lot of hope and everybody got excited while I was in there. Everybody jumping, shouting, running around like that and falling down. But then when they left, it was over. All it was was excitement. All it was was a lot of gladness. But they got back there was a lot of sadness because they went back to the real world. But when a preacher preaches hope to you and then shows you the Bible, now here's how you turn that hope into reality in your life, that's when you get the victory. That's when you get to the place, that's when you get the place that you have been equipped for a victorious Christian living. Amen. And so Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, I like this. And we talk about the book of Hebrews all the time about Jesus and his present day ministry, it says, see then that we have, doesn't say we had, Jesus not was, Jesus is. Jesus was dead, but Jesus is alive. And so we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession, our confession. Because Jesus is at the right hand of God. He is our high priest. So we need to keep on talking victory from the word of God. We hold fast our confession. That word confession means to say the same as. We need to say what Jesus says about our life. If Jesus says your needs are met, you need to say my needs are met abundantly. If Jesus says your marriage is blessed, you need to say my marriage is blessed. If you need to say that my children serve God... You keep on saying your children serve God till it gets turned around. If you need healed, you keep on saying, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Has been laid on me, I'm recovering. Whatever it is the word of God says about you, you say it. Because Jesus is your high priest. And then, now when I read this, I like the way my pastor, 47 years ago, taught me about this. He talked about these double negatives here. King James says, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. Just take those knots off there and get that King James out of there and see what he said. For we have a high priest which can be touched. We have a high priest which can be touched with the filling of our infirmities. But was at all points tempted, was at all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. He was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So temptation is not a sin, because even Jesus was tempted. If you've been tempted with those thoughts that hit your head to do those wrong things were a sin, that means Jesus would have been in sin. He was tempted. We didn't yield to it. And so you have to understand, you have to understand about us as believers, we're spirit beings, we possess a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a physical body. Every thought that hits your head is not your thought. You have your own thoughts. The thoughts that hit your head most of the time are not God's thoughts, because God talks to your heart. Then your heart relays to your mind. So your thoughts that come from God come up. The thoughts that come from the outside come in. And so when those temptations come... When that thing comes on you, well, they're all going to go down to the 
whatever the bar is, the, what's it called, the hot spot or something spot over here on first, whatever that place is. Mine, mine was the Sunshine Inn, but that's long, that's history now. But whatever the place is, well, they're all going down there tonight to celebrate so-and-so, you know, celebrate. They just got this promotion. They're going to celebrate, and you can just drink a Coke. All you got to have is a Coke. Let me tell you the other way Satan talks to your mind. He always talks to you in first person. He never comes and says this. I'm the devil, and I want you to go down there and just drink a Coke. It always comes this way. I think I'll go and just drink a Coke. Well, a little demon spirit made you think it was your thought. I think I'll go, and I can just drink one. I'm disciplined now. I'm a Christian. That's not a sin to drink one beer just to be sociable, because I want everybody to like me. You know, i got a brother that's in heaven now. My younger brother, I did his funeral several years ago. Mrs. Pastor and I, back in 1982, led him to Jesus. And in that year, my grandpa died. And so we went to the funeral, and all the samples did what they did. Somebody has a baby, they all get together and drink. Somebody, somebody uh, gets married, they drink. Somebody dies, they drink. And so they all, does all go down to the tavern. The samples hung out called the money makers. I just said money makers for them. Not that they got the samples money all right. Called money makers. So my brother says, my brother says, he's in heaven now. It ended up costing him his life years later. He said, I won't go down and witness to him. And I said, you're not strong enough. You can't do that. You're a new Christian. You've been born again for, I think, probably three or four months at the time. I said, you can't do, oh yes I can, yes I can. He says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. He heard the verse. So my brother went to the tavern with all the alcoholic samples. He never got freed from that. He got to live probably what, another 20 years maybe? But you know what he was? He was alcoholic Christian, alcoholic Christian, alcoholic Christian, alcoholic Christian. You never knew if he was going to be drunk or if he was going to be preaching. He never got free from that thing because that first person thought come to him. I'm going to go down and witness to them. I'm strong enough. He didn't know I was a demon spirit. Act like it was his thoughts. You know, I know that I learned about how those things talk. I'd been saved for, 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 for a, probably a year. I remember I was driving home from work when I was 11 o'clock. I wasn't married yet. And there's a great big billboard on the side of the road. Said it's Miller time. I look up at it, and this thing says, wouldn't that taste good? I said, no, devil, in Jesus' name, it wouldn't taste good. I don't drink Miller. I don't drink that. I recognize that thought. Or you see another side. See the lady in the bikini up there with a the cigarette. Back there, they still had cigarette things on billboards. See the lady smoking a cigarette like that. Boy, wouldn't that taste good? Or doesn't she look good? I said, no, she don't look good. I don't look at naked women. When those thoughts come to you guys, don't she look good? You need to open your mouth and say, no, she don't look good. She looks naked. I don't look at naked women, unless it's my wife. You hear what I'm saying? You've got to recognize those first-person thoughts. When those things come to you, you're in a bad situation. And you got a choice to tell the truth or lie your way out of it. Well, just tell them this. you got to say, no, I'm not just going to tell them this. If I can't tell the truth, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and not say anything. You need to learn when those thoughts come to your head, they're not necessarily your thoughts. Do you remember what Jesus said? When you brought before these people, he said, keep your mouth shut. Your father put the words in your mouth, what to say when it's time to say it. Glory to God. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. He says, we have a high priest who can't be touched with the fill of our infirmities. That word infirmities, more than anything, from the Greek, means inability to get results. Inability to get results. Says Jesus was touched is touched with our inability to get results. He sees you crying out about what it is keeps getting a hold on you. Whatever it is, you know, it could be something 
minor in somebody else's eyes, but it's a mountain to you. Whatever it is, says Jesus could be touched because he was at all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. When a believer yields to the temptation and puts action to it, then and only then it becomes sin. Jesus was tempted. He didn't yield, so he didn't sin. When you're tempted, when you're tempted, if you don't yield, it wasn't a sin. It was just temptation. Only when you put action to it did it become a sin. And so then he tells us exactly what to do. He tells us exactly what to do. Verse 16. Let us therefore, let us therefore, because we're tempted and Jesus was tempted, and because he's the one that will help us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Remember I said from Romans 5.20 where sin abounds, grace is much more abound. You come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? To obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To obtain mercy, to find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore call everybody on the prayer line to pray for us. Let us therefore go on Facebook and say, pray for me today, things are bad. Message me, hon. Message me, hon. He didn't say to go on Facebook. He said, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. Tell you one thing, I think Facebook's the last place I'd go for mercy. And find any grace on Facebook to help in time of need? It says that when you're tempted, you come boldly to Jesus at the throne of grace, and he wouldn't say you can obtain mercy and grace to help you. If you want to go give them to you, they told you the qualifications. You're the one. You're the one. That's number one. If you've yielded to it, you've got to say, Lord, forgive me and help me. I don't want to do this. This thing overpowered me again, Jesus, but I've had it. I plead your blood, Jesus, over my life, over this sin. And you said in First John 1, 9, you're faithful just to forgive me and cleanse me. Now I need help. Help, Jesus, help. That's what he said, to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus always spoke to the devil and the solicitation of evil with the words, it is written, and quoted Bible verses. So this is the Bible way to stay free from falling back into sin. No verses that promise you victory over what you're dealing with. And listen to this. I showed you those two books on prayer. One of the main things Jesus said about prayer was this, ask the Father in his name. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus to help you say no to sin and say yes to righteousness. And so based upon the Bible and the Bible way, the scriptural way to resist the temptation to sin is to come boldly to the throne of grace with a clean heart. I'm just thinking about one more thing. That when I was in Bible school back in 1983, I'll never forget it. I had a prayer class, and, you know, I wasn't all that old in the Lord, but the man made this statement that's always stuck with me. He said, don't con God. You can't con God. He said, if you're talking to him, don't on the inside be thinking, here's what I really want to do. But I know I'm supposed to say this, so I'm going to pray this. You don't do it that way. When you come to him, and you really have been in bondage to whatever it is, and you've got forgiveness, and you're free, and you've been walking free, and that thing knocks on your door, you need to get on your face. You need to say, Jesus, help, 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 Jesus. You were tempted to do this, Jesus. You passed the test. Help me pass the test, Jesus. I want to pass the test. I don't want this, Jesus. I ask for your mercy. I ask for your grace. Jesus, I want free. And according to the word of God, where that sin abounds, the grace much more abounds. We, in Christ, his word in us, the devil's no match for that. We are the ones that have the name of Jesus. We are the ones that have the living word of God. We are the ones that have the blood of Jesus. We are the ones that have greater seeds in us than he is in the world. We've got that. But 
Did you notice it did say, you come boldly. And so I'm saying this for you. With everything I've thrown you my best today, with everything I've thrown out here today, the only thing I can't do is go home with you. And when that temptation hits, to stand there and say, now come on, baby, you got to do this. You've got it. And what are you going to do with it? So, if you're tired of it and you've had it, God answered your prayer today. You know what to do to say no to sin and yes to right. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.